Welcome to the Blockbuster Hall of Fame podcast, where we discuss movie franchises one movie at a time and ultimately decide if they're worthy of being in the Blockbuster Hall of Fame. Calling in from an old payphone in an unspecified metropolis somewhere in America are my two co-hosts. We have Jared Gibson and Jordan Martinez. And before we dive into the movie, The Matrix, I want to ask you guys a question first. And I'll start with Jared since he chose these three movies to start the podcast with. If given the option, would you take the red pill or the blue pill? I am uh, a thousand percent taking the red pill. Yeah, red pill. Let's, let's do it. You're gonna, you're gonna be, you're gonna just, you're gonna take that risk and see what's out there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm with you, man. I think I'm with you. I, 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 yeah, I'm taking it. All right, Yorton, what would you take, buddy? I take the red pill. I'm always interested in the truth, and so I'd always want to know what the truth is. Hey, so they did say if you take the blue pill that you'll forget this whole thing happening and you won't be aware that there's a whole other world. Well, he wasn't aware there was another world. Yeah, Yeah, but they told him that, like, hey, there's some stuff out there that you're about to be – yeah, you're about to have your eyes open. Do you want to know? If not, you won't. You'll forget. Like that curiosity won't be there when you leave this conversation. Yeah. Taking the blue pill. And I mean, like, hey, as we saw in the movie, our guy Cipher was like, "Hey, man, take me back." Yeah. Do you think after he took the red pill, he's like, "Shit, <laughs> I should have taken the blue pill." <laughs> he's a good, chunk, half, good chunk of there. He was just like, "What?" What's going yeah. on, man? <laughs> yeah, like he said, like nine years in, he was like, please take me back. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about The Matrix. I think it came out in what, 2001, 1999? Oh, God, I probably should have had that pulled up. That would have been good. Um, the Matrix came out in 1999. Had it right. Cool. It was. I only remember the most, they... <laughs> It was like the most original movie probably I've ever seen in my life. Um, I remember watching it around when it came out and back then I wasn't really watching movie movies to like dissect and analyze. It was like, I just wanted things to go boom, boom and girls <laughs> to look good. You know, I, it was just, and so I didn't really get it. And then I watched it again in college and I was like, Oh, this is really good. This is cool. And even then I still didn't understand how legendary and impactful in Hollywood it was, you know, um, watching it now after like 15 years was awesome this movie was awesome i was straight up say like i'm giving my take away right now but this movie was awesome from start to finish <laughs> like it was just it it was better than i thought it was going to be and it held up way more than i thought it was going to hold up you know i thought being 20 21 years old now it was going to age pretty poorly especially with all the stuff that they pretty much invented to make the movie happen you know it wasn't like they had special effects that have been used over and over again and they perfected they're like no we're making all this stuff as we go i can't believe it holds up as good as it does um jordan what what uh, what'd you think about it for me uh i enjoyed the movie when it first came out uh, i was definitely a big fan of it but i hadn't seen it in a long time and i was surprised re-watching mm-hmm. it how well i remembered that movie as scenes were coming up and everything i was like oh yeah this is this scene and that scene and there's only a couple of times where i was like Oh, I forgot about that. But yeah. I I enjoy going back and seeing it again after probably like 15 years, I would say, easily. For yeah, me. it's been about 15 years. I, I mean, I remember scenes. I don't remember what happens in the scenes. I'm just like, oh, this yeah. is the, the Kung Fu scene. Or yeah. this is the scene where he does that thing. But I don't remember everything about it. And 
singing. It was almost like watching it for the first time. How about you, Jared? Uh, I recently, I mean, I say recently in the grand scheme of things, I guess recently, rewatched the trilogy uh, probably about three years ago. Um, and I just, The Matrix, of course, is just fantastic. It's a great movie. Um, uh, it's actually, I'm going to butcher it, but it's actually in the library, like, Library, library of Congress. Con- yeah, Library of Congress. They actually inducted this film yeah, into man. there. You're stepping on my trivia. There you go. Oh, sorry. I, mean, I got I got I got a little bit more trivia um <laughs> about it. But um yeah, no, it's just that's how influential this film was. And when I told you like guys last week, when I picked it, I was like, I'm picking a movie that changed filmmaking. The change of the way that we see films today. And you guys were just like, I have no idea where it's going. And then mm-hmm. I said the Matrix, and y'all were like, What? And then you watch it again, and you're just like, oh, my gosh. These guys were, invent- like you said, right, inventing things as they go. And they were just like, well, we're going to try this. We're going to try that. We're going to see how it turns out. And um, I, I can't rave about this movie enough. Well, hey, here's a sneak peek. When it's my turn, the movie I pick it is something that did not invent, <laughs> reinvent anything. If anything, it set <laughs> movies back probably 20 years. I'm just letting you guys know that right now. Um, okay, man. So I was, as I'm doing with this podcast, as I'm taking notes, as I'm watching, like I'm having to pause the movie and write down notes that I want to talk about during the podcast. But I found myself like 30 minutes at a time, like, oh, I haven't taken any notes because I'm just so sucked into this movie. But one of the things I have is the CGI was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. In my head, for some reason, I think it happens in the second movie, which I've only seen once, but I've seen the scene probably 30 times. I thought it happened in this movie and it was that scene where Neo is outside fighting like 30 Mr. Smiths and he's swinging yeah. around on the pole and it looks like a bunch of rubbery PS2 CGI cutscenes happening. And I was like, oh no, this movie's so good. I really don't want to watch this scene when it happens. And I kept <laughs> waiting for it. Yeah, and that's it actually the next one. And the movie that's stayed the flawless. One. It was I don't know. I guess I got my movies mixed up. but And so uh, a bit of trivia for next week. They, that was actually the first time that's ever been like CGI in one scene. The mm-hmm. amount of like human CGI in one scene. Uh, so they're like, hey, we're going to take what we did in the last movie and we're going to try something new. And as we'll talk about next week, that one. It, oh it yeah, I don't think it worked. It didn't well. work. <laughs> sometimes you swing for the fences. Sometimes you get a pop fly yeah. out. So, uh, yeah. That was a pop fly. That was uh, hitting the head and unconscious at the hospital. Um, uh, that was an Aaron Judge three three swings and you're out of there. Yeah, for real. Um, yeah, sorry but like, for Yankees so, fans that listen to the pod. Could you guys? So your I think Yorton knows this about me. Anytime I'm watching a movie, whether it's like a Marvel movie or anything dc movies are awful about this is when i notice that something is not real and it's made with a computer then i'm taken out and i'm like oh oh yeah it's a movie it's not something i'm i'm into right now i forgot i was watching a movie you know like even like transformers movies i know those aren't actual robots fighting but they look real and they convince me for that two hours like it's happening right but then you watch something like I don't know, Justice League or something. I mean, the last half of the last act of every DC movie lately has just been sepia tone. It's like you're not even on Earth fighting, and there's just like everything looks so fake and it's all CG like a video game, and I'm just taken right out of it. I didn't have any of those moments in this movie. And this was 1999. 
So, I mean, that's pretty incredible. Could you guys at any point where you like, oh, that's a CG thing, the jig. Is there any moment that you were taken out of the movie? I think with some of the jumping moments, that's where I'd be like, yeah, that maybe not, not held up as well as all the other stuff. But for the most part, I was real happy and satisfied. Were those with- CG though, or was that just... Uh, a lot of that, that, a lot of that was like wire foo, and yeah. just like yeah. the way they use the camera. Um, for me, the what? yeah, it's it's coined <laughs> like wire that. foo now. Um, from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah. Um, the only part that really was like, oh, that's definitely CG, was the part where the guy was moving so fast, uh, Agent Smith, when he was punching Neo. And oh, yeah, yeah. like from overhead, he was just like it was like he was hitting him like a robot. He was moving so fast. I was like, man, that's CG, but that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it didn't, it didn't take me out of the movie where I was like, oh yeah, now it's a video game or anything. It was just like, oh yeah. cool, part of the movie. Yeah, no. So that's there, the only part that I was like, I was like, that's definitely CG. But I'm like, so I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> one scene that did have bad CG, but I sort of wonder if it was be purposely bad CG is when he's jumping from rooftop to rooftop during the training thing and that concrete mm. that he falls into just goes to that weird morphing thing but yeah, they're in their own little simulation they're not in the matrix so I'm yeah, like yeah, they purposely make it a little funny yeah I, I just something that popped in my head when I saw that I was like yeah. they purposely make it a little bit off because that's not the real matrix and yeah, like the dialogue that surrounding that scene they were just like He's gonna make it. No, he's not. Nobody ever yeah. makes it on their first try. So I think, I think, I think you are. They kind of purposely made it that way because it, I mean, just to give him a little laugh or something. Yeah, <laughs> made it not- like an old school Looney Tunes cartoon there. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so I was. So I got a question. I have a question that I need an answer to. So the people who are outside the Matrix that are like watching the matrix you know they're watching all those numbers and stuff go down the computer mm-hmm. screen and he's like i only see red hair blonde hair you know i don't see the screen anymore they're the ones who can pull you out of the matrix using a phone right yeah the operators. So is it only hard lines they can use like in 2020 we're all on cell phones so from, is it from only, what I, I understand and from all the series i want to say if i remember right it's always a hard line it's yeah because because anytime they cut the hard line they could only communicate yeah. with the operators through cell phones but they could only come out of the matrix through a hard line okay so before that was revealed i was like 1999 cell phones really aren't a thing even though they had like some really shitty cell phones in this movie they weren't you had like, the nokia bricks and stuff there yeah by then man i didn't get into kia brick until 2004 <laughs> <laughs> right and I don't know, but they weren't prevalent. Yeah. Like not everyone uh, Yeah, they're not phone. anything the level where like in about five or six years later from when that movie So was. automatically my brain started going, oh, this movie's already aged because nowadays everyone would have a cell phone and then they would just be sucking in and out of the Matrix. But I guess the movie saved itself with the hardline yeah. logic, you know? But they were carrying around cell phones in the movie too. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, eventually that started happening. And I was like, okay, so maybe, yeah. maybe I was wrong. But um, okay. We're not going to break down the plot because that would be a four-hour podcast. But um, I do want to go back to the beginning real quick. They talk – okay, so one note I took early on is hackers are slobs. Absolutely disgusting slobs, right? There's (laughs) – that scene with Neo before he 
becomes the one and all that stuff. He's just some computer hacker. Whoever did the set design was that was just like, all right, pizza box over here, uh, banana peel over here. Let's just make papers over here, right? It was just a slob. And then I also have a question. Um, what could possibly be in that mini disc that he sells for two grand to that weird goth people? Like what kind of information is worth two grand? I don't know. What, what, what do you guys think? I'm thinking it's probably some sort of like financial hacking program that he has there. That'd be my guess. Financial hacking? Like, okay, a good way to like get money bank, in your bank Hack account. bank accounts and then cover it. I mean, I think that's worth more than two grand. I don't know. Jared, you got an idea? Any, any guess? Um, I have no idea because when it comes to things that are like, I feel like two grand, I don't, I don't know. I just feel like if it's something that's worth two grand, I don't location of drugs or something. I don't know. I don't know, man. Because like Jordan, like you said, if it's like, Oh, to a bank account, it's gotta go like more money than that. Or like codes or something. It's gotta be more than that. But well, I, I, mean, I think also the thing is, though, he did have sort of like a natural rebellious side because when he met up with uh, Trinity, he was like, wow, you're the one that toppled it. So I also saw it maybe more him, his way of fighting the machine or whatever on it. Okay. But that's putting my two cents into it, like what the software is. I do feel like I could talk about the attire of the people who knocked on his door for no less than four hours. <laughs> did you guys i mean what that, they were the wearing was the little mask thing like the metal chain the chains that were connected from the ear to like their lip i don't even yeah. know it was just absurd i was like okay this movie is really trying too hard to be edgy but whatever man it worked i'm not hating on it but i could not stop staring at the weirdos at the door i thought it was pretty fun well Lukowski's are all about being out of the norm and being who you want to be and did you guys think that when the guy who the main guy talking was like should we take him with us and the girl was like yeah it'd be fun <laughs> not i haven't seen this movie in 15 years i was like are they going to a sex club like what's, <laughs> happening? <laughs> what's gonna happen right now and then it turned out to just be a normal club so whatever um, well, you don't know what's going on after the club. <laughs> very true. That's very true. Um, one other note I have is, for some reason, Carrie and Moss was on fire, this movie. For some reason, I became so attracted to her. It was ridiculous. Um, I've seen her in Jessica Jones lately. And I remember watching the original, The Matrix when it came out, and I was like, eh, I mean, not, she doesn't do it for me. But now that I'm 34 and I'm watching her, I'm like, okay, she's top 10 dream girl i don't know what's going <laughs> wow, that's on that's quite a jump up for you there man temporary jump but oh my god i was so attracted to her she was ray has a thing for latex that's what we're you um... know what that might be it that, <laughs> that, might be it. that might be it but oh my god she was she was on fire this movie dude all right you guys have any thoughts any notes you want to get off your chest uh so um are we gonna go with the list that you sent us or oh no we're gonna get to the the categories when it comes to scenes and stuff but uh just general if you took any notes while you watch oh i took i took some notes um number one i'm gonna go ahead and say uh shout out to duracell they got the uh ad placement in the movie 
Um, Morpheus Morpheus said uh, humans are batteries and he held up a battery it was a Duracell battery (laughs) so shout out Duracell for that Um, uh, sponsor the pod Duracell if you're listening please (laughs) that would be an interesting one Sponsor, sponsor the pod, dear self. Dude, I will, I will take any sponsor at this point, dude. Um, really no, like I'm just going to say, I, I like genuinely, and I picked up on it more this time. Um, I just love the, the, so two things, two things that I just really fell in love with. The Alice in Wonderland references were throughout the entire film. Yeah, that was just beat over your head, wasn't it? And like for some reason, I just did not pick up on that until I rewatched it. And I was just until I rewatched it this time, and I was just oh wow, ha, huh, that's awesome! I love Dude, Alice in Wonderland. So it's I like a it. dark version of Alice in Wonderland. It's like the darkest version of that. Of that oh yeah. Story. Um, and then another thing that I really, uh, really loved. I really loved the monologues. Everybody had just like a. I think every character in that movie had a fantastic monologue. They all had, yeah, uh, I would say Morpheus, Neo, especially, and even, God, what's Carrie Ann Moss's name? What's her? Trinity. Trinity. They all, yeah. they all had their moments, you know? Like, and yeah, and I would even say, like, Hugo Weaving did a fantastic job mm-hmm. when he was, um, I guess, torturing Morpheus. Um, and then he told the other, the other agents to leave the room. He took out his earpiece and his glasses, and he delivered a fantastic monologue. And that's when I just like, whatever. Hugo Weaving can do no wrong in my book. Um, <laughs> so like, just like that monologue that he gave was just like, I'm tired of this too. And it's just like, man, every, like, every character got a good monologue in this movie, and every actor or actress delivered on that monologue that was written for them. It was cool to see him kind of separate himself from the other agents, you know, like I just, I, I, I'm tired of this place. I want to get out of the matrix. Yeah. You know, it was, it was cool. Um, if there was an award for maybe overacting, I would say he would win it just with his voice, his decision to do his voice like that was just like Mr. Neo or Mr. Anderson. Mr. The way he, Anderson. the way he talks, I don't know. It, it was definitely a choice and it worked. But I think it would only work in a movie like this. And I think that fit his character because his character was a program. It was robotic-like. Mm-hmm. So he was like, I think he was yeah. like, he acted to the role that was written. But I, I do agree with what you're saying, Ray. In literally any other film, he would win the award for most overacted. But oh, yeah. actually, I think it played into like, he was like, hey, Hugo Weaving, your computer program, how would they act? He was like, well, computer programs are like ones and zeros. So let me act with ones and zeros. Jordan? I was going to say with, with him in particular, I could see him actually being a little bit annoyed. He's like, dang it, I am picking up some of these human habits. I need to be more robotic. <laughs> yeah. Just because he was so sick and tired of humans and being in that world. I do like that he was like, he hates the smell. He hates the taste and all that. I thought it was pretty cool because they're not supposed to taste and smell. And he just, what he is, what he is smelling, he's just, he's not all about it. He hates it. Um, all right, what else do I got here? Oh, um, the set design. So when they're out of the Matrix and they're it, and they're on the Nebuchadnezzar, I, Nebuchadnezzar. I hope I said that right. Yes. God, the set design is awesome. It really reminds me of uh, like a, a space movie, like an Alien or an Aliens or something like that, right? It looks very like everything's analog. Nothing's like there's no holographic keyboards and 
like Iron Man, like screens are swiping away and stuff. It's all very just analog. You have to push a button or move a lever. You know, it's all physical and it's just all beat up and rusted. I thought the set design was awesome. I think that might have been my favorite part of the movie, actually. It's just how much detail went into the set. What'd you guys think? For me, uh, the Nebuchadnezzar always reminds me of like a submarine in there. Yeah. Very much has that feel to me. And it always, to me, it's like, I'm almost surprised that they, because they're in the sewer system, but they're not underwater. They're floating. And I'm like, I feel like it almost should be underwater the way they set up everything mm-hmm. and the look and design and everything. But I do think it's interesting, though, like with the cities and uh, the city and stuff, it is a very generic city. And I think that I feel like very also in, uh, intentional. You mean in the, in the Matrix? In the Matrix. Yeah. The, the Matrix, the city is like, I don't know where that city yeah, is. Yeah, is that New York? Is that because, London? What are we talking yeah, about? Landmarks or anything. It's just like, it's a city with lots of people in it. Man, there's one shot. There's one really good shot when he's meeting Trinity under the bridge. And it's such a like I'm just nerding out real, real quick over cinematography, but there's that shot where it's just pouring down rain and they're under the bridge dry and it's from behind them and you see the water falling over the bridge. It's just a really beautiful shot. Um, yeah, but you're right. It, I think it had to be intentional to not put it in New York or Chicago or something like that, right? It just had to be some random city because they wanted it to be in the matrix in the grand scheme of things and not... Very vanilla. Is yeah. Purposely, almost like a little vanilla. I do have here that I saw a stunt double twice. (laughs) (laughs) I saw a stunt double when he was falling off a, like a fire escape. I was like, that's not Keanu. Then I saw him when he was doing a cartwheel at the end, when he was shooting with doing a cartwheel. I don't know. Thought I'd throw that out there. Any more thoughts before we move on to the categories? Um, I do have another one. Um, Go ahead. I thoroughly enjoyed the uh, the the final fight between Neo and the <clears throat> and the agent in the hallway. I mm-hmm. thought that I thought that was a very like well like this is a really good fight scene because Neo was like finally realizing as I talked about before I I think the hero's journey is played out but when I rewatched this, I was just like, yes, it's the hero's journey, but it's also Neo was like, I'm not a hero. I didn't want to be a hero. I'm just a regular person. I'm not supposed to be this. But then seeing Neo as he's facing down three agents and he's just like, oh man, I am that dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was just a great to see him like, I'm a badass. Wait a minute. I am the chosen one. I am. I can do whatever I want. And then yeah. the agents are just like, no, we're going to still kill you. And then Neo's like, change the plans, guys. You're not. Yeah, your and bullets just, are not working. Just that whole like fight sequence and just like, even without words, um, just like the pure like acting and then just the way it was written and the way it was scripted, the fights, just like there were no words. And you just see like this guy come into like the chosen one. Mm-hmm. And there's like little dialogue in that scene. And I'm just like, this is actually better than I remember. I just remember stock fighting, but it's actually like acting with no words. Mm-hmm. It's face acting. 
Yeah. The best acting is sometimes just done with your face. It's yeah, awful. and that's that that was that entire like I guess like ten minute fight scene was just like, huh. There was yeah. there was some movie recently I watched where I was just like, God, I was so oh, it was um just just mercy. The one with Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx, where Jamie Foxx was like, seen it yet. dude, I read the book. It's great. The movie is really good, too. But there's a there's a moment at the end when the judge is at the end of the movie. He's, he's pretty much breaking down that we find our defendant, you know, and it's waiting, waiting for that not guilty to come waiting. And it zooms in on uh, Jamie Foxx's face. And it's like the best acting I've ever seen. He doesn't say a word. It's just, he says so much with his face. And I was like, I almost broke down crying. It was that good. So I agree, man, sometimes. And also in the hero's journey, it's used over and over again because it's such a damn good thing to use. I mean, from Luke and Star Wars to Ray and Star Wars. I mean, it's just the reluctant hero is always the best story. I don't know. It's always a good time. It's a All tool. Right. As long as you use it correctly, it works well. <laughs> yeah. And this movie used it correctly. So, yeah. I mean, no gripes here. Um, one, one last thought before we move on to our categories is I do worry about this movie. I worry about kids growing up and then watching it for the first time and today because it's been spoofed so many times that they're going to think it's cliche and overly done. They're not going to understand the the impact it had and why it's revered as it is, you know? So I feel like this movie, you have to watch it with context to fully enjoy it, you know? That's a huge concern. Yeah, I feel like this should be inducted into the uh, dad movie Hall of Fame. (laughs) <laughs> this should, this should be podcast. a dad movie. Yeah, hey, dad this brings is... this movie out to show his kids. Like, all right, I need to. Give yeah, no, time. I, I honestly, I agree We're with you. Right, it's, it's never gonna, no, it's never gonna get its roses until, like, unless you watch it, someone who gives it like valuable context. So mm-hmm. I just say, like, any kind of dad movie that you watch, because the first time I remember, I watched, um, what was that, Top Gun? I was like, this is not, what is this? But then I watched it with my dad, <laughs> and he was like explaining it, and I'm like. Oh, okay. So it's just like you got to have like some context to it. Hey, Dad, why are these grown men almost naked playing volleyball on the beach? Don't worry about that. I don't think anyone can quite explain (laughs) that part. We sort of just forget about that. This is the 80s, son. (laughs) Um, Well, man, so, Yorton, you know this. I I dated this girl in college who, well, Yorton had – he knows all about her. She was kind of crazy. But um, (laughs) I showed her Jerry Maguire and – she was all about it because I, I love Jerry Maguire. I love Cameron Crowe movies. I think that movie is a perfect romantic comedy and sports movie. It's perfect. And it gets to the end and Jerry Maguire looks at the girl and he says, you complete me. And she threw her arms up in the air and goes, this movie's so cliche. Oh, they couldn't come up with a better line. I was like, babe, this invented the line. Like this is where it comes from. And she was just out at that point. So I think that's another one of those movies where you have to like, explain the context of like this was first it's okay that it used this line it was first you know yeah because this this movie in particular with the matrix this is the one that not just uh let's say the uh the special effects that many movies have tried to copy and everything off and become a trope but also like when you add the big action movie with the philosophy that Mm -hmm. the matrix is this is 
sort of the changing of the style of action movies uh, where there's a little bit more philosophy and everything in it. This is and very he, Nolan-esque, you know, like Nolan really likes to make popcorn movies that also kind of challenge you and make you think. This was like the first instance of that, that I can, as you were talking, I was thinking about that. I was like, this is kind of, maybe Nolan was inspired by this in some way, you know, but all right, we're going to move on to uh, our categories. Our first category, which we don't really have a name right now for these categories, but we're going to go ahead and call this one the best scene of the movie. All right. So I wrote down a couple, uh, more than a couple. I wrote down probably four or five scenes from the movie. And if you guys feel like I left something out, go ahead and throw it in there. And we will then pick the best scene of the movie. The first one I have is the opening scene with Carrie Ann Moss, where she's in that warehouse and the cops are up there and this, the agents come like, I thought I told you not to send anybody. Like I sent two people or two squadrons up there. And he's like, sir, those, those men are probably already dead. Right. And then she does her whole bullet time running on walls. And then it ends with her calling in the hard line and disappearing as the 18 wheeler smashes the phone booth. I mean, I was just, what an awesome way to start the movie. We were like, okay, what the shit is happening right now? You know? <laughs> um, the next scene I have is when Neo meets Morpheus for the first time and he's offered the red or blue pill all the way through the moment where he wakes up in the pod. All right? And that's the total of this scene. You guys have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I would say that's a pretty good scene. Uh, definitely one that, I, that was one of the scenes I didn't quite remember all the effects mm -hmm. on it, like with the whole mirror and everything on it and him basically like the mirror becoming part of him. That was one of those scenes oh, like, oh, yeah. I don't remember that. It started taking over him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey, as I'm going through these scenes, you guys just chime in if you have any thoughts. Um, yeah, that scene was really cool. And it kind of like, it challenged you as a viewer, like trying to figure out what, what's, what, what's going on again. All right. Um, the next scene I have, so a lot of these scenes kind of blend into each other. Uh, I just had to find stopping points because the whole movie is just awesomeness after awesomeness. So I just had to, I had to cut it up into little parts. Um, the scene where, let me see here. Oh, his one-on-one -on -one again with Morpheus as Morpheus is explaining the fall of mankind and what the matrix is. So this is a scene when his mind's just getting blown with the truth. Right. And I thought that was incredible. Oh my God. Um, so my, as we'll find out over the course of this pod, my biggest pet peeve is exposition. Um, I am an adult. I don't need <laughs> you to hold my hand to walk me through like what the, what's going on in the movie or what's happening. But I felt like, honestly, no, my biggest pet peeve is exposition in movies. But I honestly felt like the exposition in this movie was done so well mm -hmm. because they brought Neo from just like nothing to something and they had to explain it all the way through. So they used Neo as a vessel for that exposition and I felt it worked within the story so well. Because so many other movies, they, you always have, you have the exposition guy in the movie that is just always randomly around to explain things just like <laughs> where did you come from were you in this room the entire time hey bro to, we're in the matrix now okay to, to explain this <laughs> plot point no um but it's just like i felt it was done so well and as you were explaining in that scene where hey we're also gonna go through this intense like fight or battle while also explaining like 
hey, mankind fell. So it was just like, that was done so well. Sorry. Well, two things. Um, I do like how he tells them, like, you're 1999. It, really, it's like 2199. I don't even know what year it is. Like, they don't even keep track anymore. I thought it was pretty <laughs> cool that there's not, like, a definite year. But to go back to your point, um, there's ways to do exposition. And one of the best ways that doesn't cheapen the movie is when the person being explained to kind of rep- represents the audience. So mm-hmm. Neo was very much the audience like, oh, yeah. what the hell is going on? Um, I'm curious, how do you feel about a um, little side sidetrack real quick? Um, what's her name from Juno? What's her name? Ellen Page. Ellen Page and Inception. She very much was in the Neo role where Leo DiCaprio was explaining everything to her. You know, she represented the audience. Did you have an issue with that at all? Or was that just another like mind blowing movie you were just happy to see? No, no. Um, it was in the same, it was in the same vein as like Neo because it was a, because when you have sort of the main character explain things to the new character or i.e. the audience, it's fine. But then as I was saying, when you have random Joe Schmo in the background explaining something, it's just like, what, that's a necessary exposition. Or mm-hmm. when you explain things that us, the audience, should be able to grasp, like, oh, when you over-explain things, it's just like, oh, that's Chappie. And it's just like, well, yeah, that's the name of the movie. It's Chappie. It's the robot <laughs> Chappie. I, I know that. that. I have not seen that movie. <laughs> it's just like, I know that it's Chappie. It. I am. Uh, actually, Neil Bolenkamp, um, he made three movies. Chappie is one of the three. Yeah, uh, District yeah. 9 and something yes. else. And Elysium. Elysium. <laughs> That's actually a pretty, pretty, pretty good series. Um, but no, it's just like, hey, um, I don't, I don't need, I don't need you to hold my hand. I can pick up on things on my own, and that's why well, one of one of my favorite movies to come out, um, almost of all time, is Parasite, um, because they didn't, I've seen it. they they didn't hold your hand at any time um, throughout the movie. They were just like. We're just going to show you events. Events are going to happen. Figure and it hopefully out. You, and hopefully you can pick up on it. And it's just like the entire time through, you can pick up on it because it's things that are relatable mm-hmm. um, to everyone because um, it's about socioeconomic uh, backgrounds and things like that. So it's just like he didn't do any part of holding your hand. You just picked up on it. York, you had something to say? Yeah, I was going to say with the whole exposition thing, I, I feel like exposition works when it – they're talking to someone who shouldn't know the information mm-hmm. and they're just trying to fill it in where it feels natural rather than, Oh, I'm explaining the world history to a person who should know the world history. Oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, that's what it does bug me. It's like that person should know that information. Why are you telling me that? <laughs> God, I don't know if this is right, but I think in kindergarten cop, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's playing an American cop, by the way, which makes no sense. Um, the guy is like, your dad served here for 14 years. He is the best American cop. It's like, okay, we get it. Like his dad was a cop. Like you're just, he knows this, you know, it's his dad. Yeah. So yeah. So like, why are you? Why yeah. Are you're you wasting time right now. All right. We're going to move on. The next scene I have is the, I know Kung Fu scene, right? I know Kung Fu. When he's training. Yeah. Um, that movie was just, I mean, that, that movie, I mean, that scene was, it was just awesome. You know, um, that was another exposition scene, but it, but it wasn't, just knock you on the head. Here's everything mm-hmm. going on, you know. Um, I have the escape after meeting Oracle 
all the way to Cypher's betrayal. Yeah. Right. So it's the whole scene where um, they're leaving Oracle's place. Um, they're in that warehouse. Neo sees that black cat twice. And it's a whole action sequence where they're crawling through the walls trying to escape. And then I have the next scene is rescuing Morpheus where Neo's like, I'm going back in. I got to save Morpheus. I'm not the one. He thinks I'm the one. It's not fair for him to die. He goes in there with Carrie and Moss, Trinity, and they're on that helicopter, which by the way, that scene with the helicopter, it looked like he wasn't really trying to miss Morpheus. He was just wheeling that around. (laughs) I don't know how Morpheus survived that at all. Uh, But that was talk about action that was just that was a movie trope right there it's just oh cool helicopter and a machine gun attached let's blow up everything up um and then the last scene i have is neo versus mr smith all the way through the end of the movie so the second carrie and moss i I keep calling her that because i'm in love with her right now but um trinity the the second it's the leather it's the leather it's the leather i'm in love with the leather (laughs) Uh, the second, and her eyes. Uh, the, the second Trinity disappears through the hard line and leaves Neo to fight the homeless man who turns into Mr. Smith all the way to the end when he realizes he's the one and all that kind of stuff. That's the last scene I have. Um, do you guys think I left anything out? you have any nominees you're going to throw in the hat? Uh, definitely the scene where he goes to visit the Oracle and he meets the little boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of goes in the escape from the Oracle, but no, uh, I, th- I think I, th- I think that scene where he talks to the young child who could potentially be the one, and he tells him just like you always trying to bend the spoon, but there is no spoon. And he even repeats that line later in the movie when he mm-hmm. starts to feel that he's becoming the one. He was like, "Wait a minute, there is no spoon." Yeah, and it so, helps him. It helps yeah. him on his journey. Yeah, so I think that scene is very impactful. It's that's definitely of, an important for me. That's one of the iconic scenes, right there. There is no spoon to yeah. me. When that movie first came out, that was definitely one of the quotable lines that I do remember. From yeah, the I think so too. Um, man, I thought it was a good scene, a really important scene. But I don't know if it was the best scene. Like if I was, yeah. if I was watching this movie on cable, and I came across that scene, I might flip and come back later. But if I came across one of these other ones, I'd be like, all right, I'm gonna sit down for like 20 minutes and watch this thing. You know. Um, but we'll throw it in there. It's a good scene. What do you guys think? What, what was, what was uh, your what was your best scene of the movie? I won't necessarily go best scene in the movie, but also just because we're talk, I brought up about iconic. I mean, we have to talk about the uh, entryway to the to the rescue scene where he goes to the metal detector because that's sort of like oh how many have, times have you, yeah I was like that's, that's been that's been on. redone so many times <laughs> oh, like no, no, no. all right here we go I, that's I the that best out. scene that that's was, the best scene I said okay. rescuing Morpheus I just I just yeah you blurred it all together but it's like look we have to specify <laughs> this, this scene that yeah, scene you're right I didn't know your trailer no. scene right there <laughs> pretty much yeah okay so is that your is that your vote for best scene? It's got to. I, mean, I I will go with just the most iconic scene. I'll go for the movie. Well, what's your vote for the best scene? It's not called the most iconic scene category. Uh, I I do like when they were trying to get away from, uh, and they're going through the uh, in between the uh, walls of the building and everything. I mm-hmm. thought that was just a cool and unique way to do an escape in between the walls like that. It's like oh. I, I really like that. That's pretty cool. How about you, Jared? 
I definitely got to go with that. Um, walking through the metal detectors with all those guns. That's just like, that's, I mean, like you said, Ray, that's what gets you in your seat. Like, oh, I'm going to watch this. That's what gets you in the seat. That's what's the trailer. I mm-hmm. think obviously the most iconic scene is the bullet time scene. But just yeah. in terms of like scene that like makes me want to sit down and watch this movie, it's definitely they going guns a blazing. Um, you're, you're into the next 20 minutes when you yeah i mean i'm like hey i'm here for the rest of the movie you got me you got me tbs right hey looking um, for you that's like the last that is right at the last yeah, that, yeah that's just like <laughs> you're like hey, man this movie's awesome just i came crazy. in at the right time <laughs> man so i'm a i'm a sucker for moments of realization you know in any movie any any movie where the character has this moment of discovery and so there's that one scene where he wakes up after taking the pill and it's like this whole like shock to the system where he's in a pod and there's just millions of pods laid out right and it just as a viewer you're like whoa like are they like what's going on are are any of us real and then he gets sucked down into the, the the pipe and then it even morpheus is explaining everything to him and then it but there's one part that ruins that scene for me and it's the scene where He's talking about how the, the, the AI is farming humans and it shows a little baby. <laughs> and I have a daughter and anytime a baby is crying and alone or in, in pain, I, I'm out, man. I can't watch it. So that ruined that scene for me. So that scene is not the best scene in the movie. I agree with Jared. The best scene is definitely, in my mind, I, well, I was actually torn between the rescuing Morpheus scene where it's guns a-blazing in that, in that place or neo discovering his powers and ability you know but i think i'm gonna have to go with jared and just say bang for the for your buck it's going to be the the scene where is it where, where are they at yorton the what the scene where that jared was talking about the military office building like yeah the, the office building the office building yeah. where he just comes in with like 40 guns attached. metal detector i'll just go to the yeah, metal, the metal detector scene yeah that mean. <laughs> the guy's like, let me see what you're packing. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's got to be the best scene in the movie. I think we yeah. uh, we can all be happy if that's the winner. All right, moving on to best line of the movie. And y'all, to be honest with you, there's not many lines in this movie that you like, when you leave, you're quoting with your friends. You're not, like in Star Wars, you know, you use the force, may the force be with you, or I'm your father. And this one, it's like, there, I, I had two. I have two options here. And if you guys have one you want to throw in there and nominate, please jump in. So the first one I have is, I know Kung Fu. I mean, it's just classic. Anytime I'm, I'm drinking or something and I turn to you and I say, I know Kung Fu now. Like you, you would get it and you would start to laugh. You'd probably laugh. Um, the other one I have is, there is no spoon. So those are only two I have. You, have, you guys have any nominees for lines that you want to throw in there? Uh probably the red pill blue pill one like do you take the red pill or the blue pill i don't think but, he said that though i think he said if you take the red pill blah 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 yeah. blah, 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 that's blah. why it's like iffy on it because it's like that more of a scene, scene. yeah that scene yeah. is so good so how about you jared do you got any any lines you want to throw out there before we uh hold on you look at your notes yeah i'm trying to go through keep keep it going no, we're going to wait. We're going to keep it awkward and silent for you. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, no, it's a, quote oh. from the, it's a quote from the Oracle. Um, she's talking about love. 
Um, and then she says, you know, being the one is like being in love. Once you know, you know. And I just thought that was fantastic. It's just like, I mean, because we've all, cookie says the same thing. It's like we've all experienced love the one time. Like once you know, you know. And it's just like, wow. So that's how I know I'm the one. And like Neo, hmm. I mean, he also came to the realization. He was like, once I know I'm the one because I know there's no spoon. I know I can do this stuff. So it's just like, oh, wow, I know I'm the one now. So it's just like, mm-hmm. once you know, you know. Yeah. And I just, I just really like that. Being the one is like being in love once you know, you know. Okay. Yorton, you had one? I was going to go, well, it's not so much said, it's text, but it was uh, follow the white rabbit. I'll count I, it. Yeah. I, I like that scene. Uh, Another Alice in Wonderland yeah, reference. The, the Alice in Wonderland. Well, that's that was the start of the Alice in Wonderland, yep. which mm-hmm. is would be correct because that's pretty much how Alice in Wonderland starts. Is her then you wonder, did they program that white rabbit tattoo on the girl just to, just for that one line? Like the people in the made, they? Like, we're going to give her a white rabbit tattoo now. I mean, they were going to that party. They that, were. They, they met Trinity at. Yeah. All right. So those are the four lines. I know Kung Fu, there is no spoon. Once you're in love or blah, 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 you know it or something like that. And then you have the white rabbit. Which one's your pick, Jordan? I, I would have to go. I know Kung Fu, though. Be, <laughs> I know. It's just, it's so, you can use it in any situation. Yeah. I know Kung Fu and like people get it. I like it. How about you, Jared? Uh, white rabbit, because I love the Alice in Wonderland yeah. references. You know, I've never seen that movie. Wow. All oh, right. It's you got to Smash that in button. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going with Jordan. I'm going to I Know Kung Fu. Just because you can use it in any situation. You know, if if the person doesn't get the line, if you say it to them, they're like, what? Then you know they're not your friend. All right, they're not worthy <laughs> of friend. It's like a test. Yeah, yeah I like it. I, I like it. <laughs> so that's the line of the movie. Two, two votes there. All right. Um, now we have the most important category of the movie. The MVP of this movie. All right. So we have some nominees. Throw some people out. We have Carrie and Moss, who MVP of my heart right now. We have um, Keanu Reeves. We have, oh, God, I'm blanking because I'm now recording. But what's his name? Morpheus. Um, Lawrence Fishburne. We have Lawrence Fishburne, who killed it. We have your boy, Hugo Weaving. Um, and we have a... Uh, a surprise pick here. We have the Wachowski sisters. Who's am, the MVP of this movie, y'all? Make your case. Who do you think? Who wants uh, to- I'm going to go straight up and go Dane Davis. Which is not anyone I mentioned. Who the hell is Dane Davis? <laughs> so he did the score and the sound of this movie. So you and think, sound is very... Yeah, I and, get you. The sound's good. But you're going to put him over... The vision of the Wachowskis, or I am just saying, without the score, like the entrance theme, that like the the Enter the Matrix theme at the beginning of the movie is yeah. so iconic, and it's just like, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. He's the Scotty Pippen. No, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because this movie is literally nothing without this man's score. That's and something. then he, he even curated the music. So at the end credits, after Neo gives his badass monologue, Rage Against Machine starts, and that was like his brainchild. He was like, so I'm going to curate the music and compose the music and do the sound. 
he actually won an Oscar for best sound editing in this movie. So it's just like, I feel like he, like, that was the part that just like, he was like, hey, you guys have this movie, but it's here. I'm going to take it here. And he took it there. All right. So I'm going to counter you real quick. I understand he did an awesome job. But I feel like if you got a Hans Zimmer or just anyone else who is just known for being awesome what they do in the sound department and music, they might not have reached that level of awesomeness that he got. But they could have or they would have gotten close and the movie would have been almost or just as good. That's that's my case. I but here's they, they here's the thing, though, because you said for sound, not just for the the music and stuff, correct? No, I'm saying he just he wanted for uh, the sound mixing and sound editing, so everything together. Okay, because like Frey, you're bringing up Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer does great scores, but he doesn't really do the sound effects and everything. In the I get you, and I feel, but it. I feel like you could get a few people to do what this one man did and i'm not taking anything away from him. he did an awesome job but mvp of the movie because i mean just uh, like MVP. All, I'm sta- all i'm stating is he's bringing up a good point here and he's all right Jordan, what's your what, what's your pick Jordan? um i i would go with the wakowskis just because that you don't have that movie without them you see all the influences that he that they love Oh yeah, it's a very personal movie for them too. Oh, hello. No, we hear you. Keep going. No, now we don't hear you. Oh, there we go. You. All right, now you're on. Now you're on. All right, cool. Uh, so, so for me, it, everyone, how iconic and individual they are, that's sort of a hallmark with their movies and shows and stuff. If you ever watch any of their things where they have very distinct personalities, looks, mm-hmm. and that's sort of what I want to go with. Um, and it just has a completely different feel than most movies at that time. Yeah, I, this, they went from someone no one ever heard, heard of to like top 10 minds in Hollywood. Like they, they could do whatever they wanted after this movie got made, you know? That's how... So, I mean, you make a good case. So, for my choice, I'm torn. I'm torn between the Wachowskis, and I'm also looking at Keanu Reeves' IMDb, IMDb page right now. And before this movie, he had, you know, like, the Bill and Ted movies. He had Point Break, which, you know, he's not, you know, people aren't like, oh, man, he was just so awesome in Point Break. It was more the movie itself. Um, you know, he was kind of laughable. Speed? And- I'm getting there. He was laughable in Dracula. Um, Speed was the first time we were like, oh, okay, this guy can lead a movie. Okay. But then the Matrix comes out and it's like, okay, we have a full-blown movie star now. He went from a guy who can like lead a movie to a full-on movie star, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Without this movie, he doesn't do John Wick. You know? He doesn't have the second life as as an action hero with John Wick and you know, he, 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 his IMDb is really all over the place. He, You're lucky his I highs are that. high and his lows are low, dude. You're lucky I didn't pick that franchise. No, what? John Wick? Yeah, because it's like John Wick is in my top five. Oh, John Wick's amazing. Why am I lucky? I'm unlucky you didn't pick that franchise. That's a great movie. And all of them, actually. Um, but yeah, um, man, I, how does Keanu Reeves not 
the MVP of this movie. But I'm gonna, I, I'm not gonna pick him. I'm gonna pick the Wachowskis because. <laughs> oh boy! You're trying to sell with it. Oh I mean, boy! All right. I, I'm with, I'm with your the Wachowskis. Yeah. They did something that's never been done before. They, they knocked it out of the park. Um, the fact that it, it was so revolutionary, and it's still watchable today, is just crazy to me. Um, there's not been a movie like this. It's completely original. It's awesome. I have nothing else to say. They're the winners. Congratulations. Wear the belts, Wachowski. Wear the belts. All right, we're going to move on to trivia. All right, so I did some internet research. That was pretty half-assed. But um, if you guys want to chime in after this, anything I say, please chime in. Okay. All the scenes that take place within the Matrix have a green tint, as if you're watching them through a computer monitor, while scenes in the real world have a blue tint. Did you know that? I had no idea. Why do you think I made the joke about Gibson looking like he's in the Matrix? <laughs> <laughs> nah, fair yeah. That was, okay. that was before we recorded. So. This is a, all right, so I'll, t- I'll give you a little hint of what I'm going to choose as the first movie that we'll watch. Lighting's oh, no, no, no. very important. No, you're going to hold where on. Where they're staged. Okay, I, hold on. Don't give it away. <laughs> Don't give it away. All right, uh, the fight scene between Morpheus and Neo, the kung fu scene, which is neither in the real world or the Matrix, was tinted yellow. Um, so after the lobby shootout, the camera pans back and it shows the aftermath of the gunfight, right? The whole metal detector scene, and that one piece of pillar falls down. Remember that? Yes, that, that was, was not accident. planned. They just <laughs> left it in there because it was like appropriate. Yeah, no, it worked. Also, that is a multiplayer level in Perfect Dark on Nintendo 64. And it is also a level in Conquer's Bad Fur Day, also on Nintendo 64. Made by Rare. Wait, that's both. Conquers? Both were made by Rare. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is it? How is it in Conquer? Is it just like a stage you go to or something? Yeah. How it does is. it fit the world of Conquer? <laughs> uh, if you Bad play- Fur Day, they, they do all sorts of random stuff in that. No, if you play that. Conquer's Bad Fur Day, it's all over the place. Yeah, the ending cool. scene is the scene from Alien where Ripley. Uh, is in the robot fighting against the xenomorph. That's the indie. Okay, so it's just a pop in- culture. Yes. Okay. I need to, I need to check it out. Um, in 2012, as Jared said earlier, the movie was selected by the U.S. Library of Congress for preservation in the National Film Registry archives. Uh, we didn't talk about the helicopter scene, man. Where uh, it crashes. You, said you didn't like huge, it as much. <laughs> that huge explosion. Yeah, you said you the didn't. explosion with the glass yeah. and all that. I mean, that's all CGI, but it looked pretty good to me. Um, anyways, that scene nearly caused the film to be shut down because they flew the helicopter through restricted Sydney airspace. Laws in New South Wales, Australia were changed to allow the filming to proceed. Yeah, maybe not the greatest trivia. Um, in the combat training program, before Neo starts his furious attacks on Morpheus, he rubs his nose with his thumb and finger. Similar to Bruce Lee before he attacks. That was improvised by Reeves. All right. Um, okay, so this is going to explain a lot. By the middle of 2002, remember the movie came out in 1999, so less mm-hmm. than three years later, the famous bullet time sequence had been spoofed by over 20 different movies. Oh, yeah. Which is why it's so, like, cliche and almost like you can't do it now. You it know, became a trope. <laughs> it became too much of a trope. Um, according to the Wachowskis, all animals in the Matrix are computer-generated images. What other animals are there other than the cats? We're all just... So there are no good good boys? There's no good boys. There's no dogs hooked up to uh, pods. 
in the real world. Um, Sandra Bullock turned down the role of Trinity, and thank God. I mean, no, I would like to see her in latex. Um, I, I because she, 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 she did. That have been a very, very different movie. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't have been the same. But I mean, I would like a photo or something. Um, She's a good actress and all, but that she would not fit that same persona there, especially at that time. And she was just like the girl next door. It wouldn't have worked. But she said she turned it down because she couldn't see herself working alongside the actor that they had chosen. This was before Keanu Reeves, who she had worked on with them on Speed. Uh, reportedly, they wanted Johnny Depp. So take that for what it is. Um, that scene where Mr. Smith is interrogating Neo, um, some personal information could be seen on Neo's criminal record. Thomas Anderson, whatever. Um, and the one worth noting is that his passport was set to expire on September 11th, 2001. So that's creepy. <laughs> um, well, I have a quick question. I'm trying to remember. Was his boss at the beginning agent, the same actor as Agent Smith? I don't think so. I, I think, think I would have so. picked up on that. That's another scene. You know, I thought about putting that scene in the best scenes with the office escape when he's like hiding in cubicles and Morpheus is trying to tell him where to go. But I just felt like the other ones were better. Yeah. Um, so I feel like everyone in Hollywood was offered this movie at some point. Will Smith turned down the role of Neo at one point. He says he regrets it to this day. That would have been a really, I mean, I would, I don't know if it would have been better, but I would have watched it. Um, also, Sean Connery turned down the role of Morpheus, which resulted in him taking the role in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Because that was the last movie he made, too. Oh God! Well, he—he, he, you know, he—he he took that movie. It says because he thought he saw the success of The Matrix and thought special effect movies were going to be the future. So he's like, "All right, I'm doing that one." Right, and it turned out to not be the case. Um, <laughs> the last one we have here is. Russell Crowe turned down the role of Morpheus. And this is funny. He said, I just didn't get it. I couldn't get past page 42. <laughs> I find that kind of funny. That's also the answer to everything. Yes. That's 43. For, no, no, it's 42. 42. That's weird. Um, you guys have any trivia I missed that you want to throw out there? Uh, I thought I had something. I know Will Smith was also at offered the role <laughs> yeah we talked about that while you went to take p um, uh, <laughs> john connery has offered the role of morpheus i mean there's a lot i just left a bunch of actors off like brad pitt leo because johnny depp everyone was offered this movie at one point all right we're gonna move we're gonna move on to the the next segment which is we're getting to the end here it's called the hottest takes right so this is the hottest take reviews that I could find on the internet of this movie. This movie is currently sitting at 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, um, which is pretty damn good because Rotten Tomatoes can be pretty harsh. Um, and for something as original and kind of out there as this is, is, the fact that it's 88 is really good. Is that user or uh, No, I don't use that, – that's just rot, the official Rotten Tomatoes tomato score. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm sure users – pretty much up there I'll, I'll look in a second um all right so here's some of the hottest takes i found on on some of the reviews here okay we got jonathan rosenbaum of the chicago reader 
who, by the way, is a top critic on Rotten Tomatoes. He says, there's not too much humor to keep it all life-size. And by the final stretch, it's become bloated, mechanical, and tiresome. In other news, old man yells at Sky. <laughs> um, we have Jeff Andrew of Time Out, who's, an, who's another top critic. <laughs> he says, another slice of overlong, high-concept hokum. Sounds like another old man yelling at the sky. <laughs> um, Nick Davis from Nick's Flicks Picks gave the movie an F. An F. He says, the least humane, least responsible, least pardonable movie I have ever seen. You know, I feel like some of these critics need to have their license revoked or something. An F for a fantastic, hopefully. <laughs> Bob Graham of San Francisco Chronicle, who was another top critic. Come on, come on, Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, he gave the movie a one out of four stars. He says, it's astonishing that so much money, talent, technical expertise, and visual imagination can be put in the service of something so stupid. <laughs> I don't think he's a fan of the movie, man. Um, how could you have that opinion watching this movie? Like, this is stupid. This is a stupid movie. <laughs> opinions. Understand. People see them different ways. I don't quite understand the, just, that much, but... Um, maybe they weren't going into it the right mindset. You know, okay. they're just like, I'm here to watch a movie and review it. Not really, like, watch a movie. Jay Carr. I'm, I got three more left. Jay Carr of the Boston Globe, who's another top critic, has three words. Silly and dense. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jay Carr. Um, <laughs> this is another old man yells at Sky. Author or Arthur Psalm of the San Diego Tribune says, "Wherever they tell their story, they tell it too long and too loud." <laughs> too long. And and too loud. <laughs> it's too loud. The last one I have is Stephen Rosen of the Denver Post, and this dude, this is a doozy. Okay, this is the hottest take I could find. The Matrix not only is a failure as a science fiction movie, long on explanation. Short on inspiration, but it doesn't do anything interesting with the futuristic vision that it takes forever to explain. I can't think of a more wrong review than that one right there. I mean, it's a two-hour movie. I mean, well, hey, they're taking too long to explain it. Were you expecting it to be like a sitcom 30-minute episode or something? I'm not even upset with that. He calls it a failure as a science fiction movie short on inspiration doesn't do anything interesting with the futurist vision like what what is this did he watch the same movie maybe he watched the sequels i don't know <laughs> it could be the problem all i know is man although the sequels ones can uh bring out light more the the future world of it so i'm really i'm really i'm really concerned about watching these sequels but all these Do you not remember the sequels? I don't. I remember not okay. understanding a damn thing. I mean, they're, they're good on lore, but they are bad on everything else. <laughs> so I just want to say these reviews really explain why the newspaper industry is failing pretty hard right now. <laughs> this is what's going on. All right. So I do want to talk about Roger Ebert real quick. He had a pretty lengthy and great review. In my mind, he's the best movie critic there is. He's such a wordsmith, man. He's if you want to be a film critic, don't read his stuff because it'll just demotivate you. You're like, oh, I, I'm never going to reach that level. He's just amazing. But the last paragraph of his review, I really liked. And he says, the Matrix did not bore me. 
It interested me so much indeed that I wanted to be challenged even more. I wanted it to follow its material to audacious conclusions, to arrive not simply at victory, but at revelation. I wanted an ending that was transformational like dark cities and not one that simply throws us a sensational action sequence. I wanted, in short, a third act. I kind of agree with him. You know, like he wanted to dive more into that world of the Matrix, but I feel like the movie was like, man, we're running out of time. We got to wrap it up. We got, Neo's got to do some cool shit here at the end. But for me, man, overall, with everything they did, you can't leave this movie unsatisfied. Like, sure, you may have wanted more into that weird future that was given to you. But at the end of the day, like what you got was pretty damn good. And I think that's a testament to the good, like world building that they did. It just left Mm -hmm. you wanting more of that world. It left you wanting more of that. And it's just like, Hey guys, we're here to make one movie in one movie only. So we're going to get you what you, but what this is. And I, I just think that's even more testament to the Wachowskis that holy crap like after two hours and 15 minutes i'm like man give me more of this yeah, world. Need, like yeah. i want more and so i feel like they delivered on their premise but they also left you wanting more hence why it led to two other sequels and now a fourth one that's already didn't filming give us so less <laughs> so it's just like it's just like oh no i'm fully on board on the fourth one because uh they got my guy yeah yeah dual team uh I'm assuming playing Morpheus' son, so I'm all about that. Yorton sent a picture today of the filming, and yeah. Neil Patrick Harris is in it. Like, <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> no, uh, yeah, yeah, doing my team. Uh, he's playing Candyman in the Candyman movie. He oh, played yeah. Black Manta in Aquaman. Uh, he's very good. He also played the the uh, the dad. Um, if you've ever watched the movie Us. Um, by Jordan Peele. He mm-hmm. also plays the dad in that movie. I think he's a fantastic up-and-coming actor. Is he and, in uh, Uncut Gems? Uh, no, he is not. Because there's a guy from... God, I, feel, I sound terrible. I think you're thinking about like, Keith Stanfield. I am, I am. That's what I'm thinking of. Um, but yeah, um, so that that's what I'm saying. Like I think in they're sitting around, I think he's going to end up being the main character uh, of the fourth movie, so... Those are just rumors, of course. But no, there's a lot of hope with the fourth movie. And of course, we're going to dive into two more sequels. All right. So in the next few weeks. Jordan, would you recommend this movie to someone who maybe has not seen it? Oh, yeah. Just because for one thing, I feel like it's almost like one of those movie staples to see because like we said, so many movie tropes after it used or reference this movie. Mm-hmm. And it's just, if you want to have a broad information on where movies come from, development of movies and stuff, this should be one of those movies like, hey, this is one of the influenced movies here. Yeah, I feel like if I was teaching a film class, this would make the list of movies I would I would show to yeah. the kids. How about you, Jared? Would you show this to a movie? I mean, would you show this movie to someone who maybe hasn't seen it? I mean, of course, uh, whether you like sci-fi movies um, or whether you like action movies, I feel like it's in the middle of the Venn diagram. So it just hits both. It's just like, Hey, you don't like action movies, but you like really in-depth thinking sci-fi watch the matrix. Oh, you hate in-depth thinking. You just want to see um, some action sequences. Watch the matrix. (laughs) So it's just, I feel like it's in the middle of the Venn diagram. So I'm like, yeah, if you want to see like a little bit of drama. Yeah. If you like 
world building. Yeah. I mean, it just checks off so many different boxes. It's just like, no matter what movie you like, like you'll find something to pull from this film. So I, I agree. I recommend it to everyone. I recommend it to everyone as well. Um, all right. Moment of truth. We'll start with you, Jared. Is this, we need a two, we need two votes out of three here. Is this going to be in the blockbuster hall of fame? I call my shot from the very beginning. Yep, it's in. Jordan. Like I said, this this is a staple of like 2000 action movies that everything's inspired off of this. This is definitely one of the blockbuster movies. And there's a reason why everyone was so excited when the next two movies were launched. That was a huge deal, especially them coming right after each other so like they did. Let's explain to the audience real quick that the blockbuster Hall of Fame is not the movie Hall of Fame. It's... It's a different Hall of Fame. It's if you're going to go to Blockbuster and you can't find anything to watch, you're like, oh, you know what's good? I'll watch The Matrix for the fourth yeah. time in a row. It's one of those type. And I think, well, my vote doesn't matter because it's two out of three already, but I'm with <laughs> you. It's a three out of three, baby. Matrix is a Blockbuster Hall of Fame. We're one for one so far, y'all. I don't think it's going to continue after next <laughs> week. I just don't think that's going to happen. It, it's been so long that I've seen the other two movies that maybe – Maybe I'll no, pull some goodness no, it's, off it's of it. No, it's not. Trust me, guys. Give I me saw, some hope. I'm I like, saw no. three. I watched them three years ago. I'm excited because <laughs> either if it's bad or good, like I'm all in. I'm, I'm here. To, I'm excited. I am more excited to see your reactions than I am to watch the movie. Yeah. Oh Lord. All right. Um, all right, Yorton. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, <laughs> right now, uh, no, nothing. Right now, I. Just YouTube me playing around Lionheart X-Ray. That, that's all one word. Lionheart X-Ray on YouTube. Yes. Watch him. <laughs> uh, he, he does not have Twitter. He has Instagram. Right? I do have Instagram. Jordan yeah. Martinez. Is that right? Yeah. Jordan Martinez. I'll put the link in the, in the episode description. Jared, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Gib. Um, and then you can find me on Instagram at underscore trash panda 12 great name um i'm trash on twitter at 12 who is ray and instagram as well don't worry about it that's a private thing um all right y'all next week we're going to talk about matrix reloaded. reloaded reloaded okay matrix reloaded all right y'all until then check back in later later, later.